0: All right, what's up, guys? Welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Two Podcast. It is Wednesday, July twenty sixth, two thousand and seventeen, and a couple of topics on my mind for today. And that we're going to start talking about a three point shooter in particular. But before we get to that. Uh, I did put out a stat earlier on Twitter talking about, uh, you know, there's double-digit guys in the SEC that are returning that shot 37% or greater from three last year on a, on a minimum of 100 attempts. And I initially put that stat out there, and it left off about four or five guys. Uh, I had something filtered. It just turns out that several guys were left off the list. And so updated that, and, you know, you can check that out on Twitter at the blank level. and I talked about it. And I've talked about it before on a previous episode here of the podcast, just talking about the three point shooting in the league this season. I mean, we all know what the three point shot has done for the game. We all know how big of an impact it can have. And when you look around the SEC, you know, a lot of teams have that kind of sharp shooter that you need. And I think everyone kinda of realizes that now. If you can have one of those guys, you can certainly, you know, change the game in a hurry when you have a guy that can just sit there. And knock down three-point shots on a consistent basis, and we're seeing more guards come into this league now, and forwards as well. You know, we're seeing big guys step out and be able to shoot the three uh, as well. But we're seeing more guards come in that just can, you know, have that that multi-dimensional facet to them, to where not only can they penetrate, get in the lane, but they're able to knock down shots. And that's why you see those kind of players in a league like the SEC. Uh, But I want to talk specifically about one guy in particular who was not on that list, and the only reason is because he did not play in the SEC last year, and that is Igor Kulichov, who is going to be joining the Florida Gators this upcoming season. Transferred from Rice, and you know, I know there's a lot of people who aren't yet into their deep dive into the SEC and talking about research on all these teams. Uh, You guys know I'm crazy, and I do it year-round. But if you talk about Kulichov, you just simply have to see this kid play, And what I would suggest you do is, if you haven't seen this kid play, go to YouTube, find some highlights of him. And one thing I just want you to look at is just his jump shot in general. Uh, I said it on Twitter earlier, talking to a couple guys on there, and he just has the definition of a perfect, smooth jump shot. Like, he is the the prototypical shooter, I guess you could say, in his ability to just knock down threes at such a rapid rate And if you look back at his numbers at Rice, I mean, this kid just completely off the charts when we talk about the three-pointers. I mean, you go back to last season, he shot 47% from three on 171 attempts. Go back the year before to the 2015-16 season, he shot 42% on 234 attempts. I mean, that's just outstanding. I mean, really, to shoot that high of a number, like we said last year and especially the year before that, uh pretty incredible when you think about it just being able uh, to shoot the ball like that and, and that element that it brings if you go back to last year he made at least 3 three-pointers in 18 games for Rice last season and was a big part of you know Mike Rhodes being able to turn things around there before he left for VCU uh and, and obviously Koolen Job now comes over to the Gators and he is going to add an element that that really makes Florida a dangerous team, and we've talked about that. You know, I've told you guys before, uh, Florida is certainly right there at the top of the SEC right now. I mean, they're they're right up there when you talk about contenders. Florida is definitely up there because they have a roster that is just loaded with guys across the board. And we talked about it before. We've already mentioned the guard play they're going to have, the the guys inside that are going to have. I mean, look at the guard play. Guys like Chris Gioza, Kayvon Allen, who's going to be an SEC Player of the Year candidate. You go inside, they get John Igbunu back, not until late January, but he's certainly someone that will make an impact once he returns. And then you have potential breakout guys there in Hayes, Stone, guys like that who are really going to get Florida a boost. And we're not even talking about, you know, we haven't even really dived into yet, uh, you know, kind of the, the freshman class that he has there, which is a very, very good class. I mean, if you go 24-7 sports, it's a top 30 class. He's got you know several guys who are going to probably step in, get some minutes right away. Uh, DeAndre Ballard, talk about Chase Johnson, Isaiah Stokes in there as well. And, and Florida certainly got a roster with a lot of interesting pieces and a lot of guys that if they play to their potential uh, are going to have really good seasons. And that's why when we talk about a guy like Kulichop, someone who comes over that just can be that knockdown three-point shooter when Florida needs a big bucket, and knowing how many people are going to try to focus in on Allen and really kind of go at him to make sure he doesn't you know, break out for 30 points or something like that, uh, if you're going to have to do that with, with several guys now. When you talk about a guy like Kulichov, I mean, his scoring ability, and I know a lot of people look around and say, well, yeah, that's great and all that he averaged 18 points a game at Rice, but what's he going to do in the SEC? And that's always a question when you talk about guys that come into the league Uh, But when you have that kind of shooting ability, you know, it's just really a matter of getting open. And Mike White will find a way to get him open. I can guarantee you that. Um, And that's why he is just going to be such a dangerous part of this puzzle for Florida. Uh, You you think back, and again, before anyone goes off and goes crazy here, I'm not saying Florida is going to go out and and win back-to-back national championships, but when you think back, to those teams that won back-to-back national championships there uh, in 2006-2007. They had guys on there. They had a guy like Lee Humphrey who could simply knock down a three at such a high rate. Uh, You know, Humphrey, he was just such a consistent shooter. You talk about that 06 season. I mean, looking back at his numbers, you know, he averaged three made threes a game. Torian Green was another guy, averaged two made threes a game. They had those kind of guys that could make that kind of shot, um, and I think that adds such a dynamic element. When you feel like you have a lot of really good players elsewhere, when you again you have an SEC Player of the Year candidate, you have breakout guys in the front court. Um, you just you know what you're getting from those guys, and when you can add a shooter, a dynamic scorer like that, uh, it just adds even more depth to the Gators, and that's something that's really going to make them. Again, a team that has that potential to be in the top 10, uh, to has a chance to, like I've said several times now, to challenge Kentucky for the regular season title uh, because this is going to be a season where we continually talk about everyone else is stepping their game up. Uh, every team, it seems like, is getting better, maybe aside from a couple that, that have maybe lost too much to be able to go forward from where they were last year. Uh, but when you think about the level of improvement around the league in general, uh, Florida is one of those teams that, while people may look and say, well, there's no way they're going to be able to get to the Elite Eight again, you look at this roster, and I'm telling you, when you add a guy like Kulichov who can simply shoot the ball the way he can, uh, that is going to make Florida even tougher. And I, certainly, you, you think about the guys they lost, uh, but when the half coming back it is really, really good. And I think that's why... You know, it's so impressive to me to see this kind of roster be built the way it is because Mike White knows what he has there. And Florida's going to be a team to where, you know, if you can get Kulachov open, get him open shots, he can pretty much guarantee it's going gonna, it's gonna to go in. I mean, that's – his shooting percentage is, again, just excellent when you consider how many shots he's taken from outside and just being able to knock down threes like he can. Uh, it's just going to be fascinating to watch and see how teams are able to guard him, Allen, those kind of guys on the perimeter uh, because they 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 do have a very good combination there when you talk about shooting uh, from outside so uh, that's something to watch there for the Gators Uh, a lot of expectations coming into the season coming off of that elite eight Uh, but look it it would be you know it'd be shocking to me if we get anything other uh, than Florida right up there at the top uh, as we hit March of next year so All right, let's move into the last topic for today, and we're going to go over the Vanderbilt non-conference schedule. And for those of you uh, who listen to the podcast and also listen to uh, Chris Lee's outstanding Vandy Sports podcast, you'll know that we did this uh, in an episode yesterday. We went over the the Vanderbilt non-conference schedule a little more in depth uh, than we usually do with the non-conference schedules here on Southeast Tube. So I'm just going to go over it. Uh, a little bit more and just kind of give some some other thoughts on it that maybe I didn't give in the other podcast. Uh, but you can go and check that out if you want to. If you're someone interested in that, uh, just go over to VandySports.com and you can find it on there. And myself, Chris, and David Sisk, uh, we pretty much broke it down game by game. And that's exactly what I'm going to do here. It was just a little more in-depth on that one. But just to kind of really just go over Vanderbilt's schedule, I mean, look, let's think back to last year. When we talk about these non-conference schedules, Vanderbilt gets into the NCAA tournament with the most losses of any team in history. And they did it because their non-conference schedule was so good and their strength of schedule was as high as it was. And that's why they got in. And I think you look at this year's schedule and there's, there's certainly some teams on here. When you talk about potential breakout teams and power conferences, there's a lot of those on here. You start the schedule starts off. Against Austin P., Matt Figure, a, a former SEC assistant, obviously at South Carolina, uh, was on that team last year that got to the Final Four. He's going to have a rebuilding job there at Austin P., uh, but we know they're going to try to play defense, and it's probably not going to happen right away in game number one. Uh, but I think eventually he's going to have himself a good fit there at Austin P. Uh, so moving on, then Vanderbilt has a very intriguing game at Belmont. And you think about this, we always talk about. Games where power conference teams go on the road, uh, they can't get home games and all that. When we talk about mid major teams against power conference teams, but Belmont's going to get one of those games here against Vanderbilt. And you know, this was one a series that was in place when Kevin Stallings was at Vanderbilt Uh, himself. Rick Bird, very good friends, and so this was a series in place. Belmont does lose Evan Brads, who you know OVC Player of the Year, Uh, so that's going to be a bit of a knock there. But I think the Commodores. Uh, you know they're gonna be in for a battle, no matter what Belmont's got a lot of good pieces coming back, and so uh that's gonna be a fun atmosphere. I mean, you know I hope to be at that game obviously location wise uh you know that's one I would love to be at because I just think that's gonna be a fun atmosphere and when you're playing a Rick Bird coach team, as I've said it many times before, you can never guarantee anything uh, because you know they're gonna be well coached, you know they're gonna shoot the three, and he's gonna have a game plan in place to try to really give Vanderbilt some trouble there so Moving beyond that, uh, Vandy has UNC Asheville after that. Uh, And then uh, another fun team here coming to Nashville when you talk about the USC Trojans coming in. And, you know, if you've listened to our Marching to Madness podcast, which, again, I would suggest you do if you're not already subscribed, uh, be sure to check that out because we talked a lot about USC this offseason and we're going to talk about them some more. But this is a preseason top 10 team. When you think about everything they have coming back, Uh, they are loaded I mean you know all these guys coming back that average what they did top four players are back Uh, USC is going to be very very good and that's going to be an interesting matchup ahead for the Commodores because you know Vanderbilt's still going to be kind of probably trying to figure out its front court situation in some instances getting some of those freshman guys acclimated to the rotation Uh, and so that that's going to be a very tough challenge when you think about how good the Trojans will be and then after that Starts the uh, NIT preseason tip-off, and as we learned uh, yesterday, actually, Vanderbilt will play Virginia in the first game, and then they'll get the, winner of Seton, or the winner-loser of the winner- of Seton Hall and Rhode Island. Uh, all three of those teams, I mean, look, Virginia, I think, may take a little bit of a step back this year. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a bad team. I just think there there's some things they're going to have to figure out. We know what kind of style of play they're going to play, and that's always – uh, difficult task for anyone on any level of college basketball to prepare for something like that. Uh, and then when you talk about Seton Hall and Rhode Island, I mean, this could be two teams. You talk about Seton Hall, probably a preseason top 25 team. Rhode Island will be one of the favorites in the A 10, if not the favorite. Uh, so they're both have a, a lot of important pieces coming back. Rhode Island's got EC Matthews coming back, and Seton Hall has, you know, three players coming back that average 15 points or more. So That's a bulk of the scoring in both of those games. Uh, You know, no matter who Vanderbilt gets after Virginia, uh, there's going to be some challenges there. And I think if Vanderbilt could somehow come out of that as the winner of that preseason tip-off, they will have earned it because these are three good teams. And and that, again, is going to help that strength of schedule because, again, you're talking about two teams that are going to really have a chance, I think, in Rhode Island and Seton Hall to be near the top of their respective conferences. And then Virginia... We always know it's going to probably going to find a way to be near the top there in the ACC. So after that, uh, Radford on the schedule for Vanderbilt, and then they move on to host Kansas State, another good team coming to Memorial Gym. Kansas State comes in, uh, got, got a couple good guards coming back, and Kamal Stokes, Barry Brown. Uh, defense is something Bruce Weber's always really prided himself on, and I think that's really going to be their strong suit probably again this upcoming season. Uh, that will be an intriguing matchup. And then after that, yet another one. As MTSU comes to town, Kermit Davis leads his team there into Vanderbilt, and they will you know, certainly have a guy in giddy Potts who's going to get a lot of national recognition. We've seen what he's been able to do in the past couple of years. You think back to what he was able to do uh, in that game against Michigan State where MTSU upset them in the tournament a couple of years ago. Uh, but now with Ja'Cory Williams, uh, Reggie Upshaw both gone, It's really Giddy Potts' team, and he's going to be, you know, the driving force, everything they do, Uh, and it's just a matter of seeing how Vanderbilt's going to try to get the revenge because last year it was not pretty when Vanderbilt went to MTSU and just got blown out of the gym, Uh, but we know how good the Blue Raiders were, and it'll be interesting to see how they fare this upcoming season. After that, again, it does not get any easier for Vanderbilt. They go to Arizona State, a team that's going to probably rise up a bit in the Pac-12, Are they going to be in that top two or three? I don't think so. But when you talk about what he's got going on there, uh, he's definitely going to have a team that's going to be much improved. They were not very good defensively last year. Uh, I'm pretty sure looking at the statistics, the worst power conference team in the country last year in terms of defensive field goal percentage. Uh, So that's something that you have to keep in mind, and that's definitely something uh, that Bobby Hurley is going to want to improve upon uh, this year there with Arizona State and uh, after that Vanderbilt's going to play Houston Baptist and then Alcorn State uh, and then we'll finish up their non-conference schedule against TCU who also comes to Memorial Gym I think if you're a Vanderbilt fan and you have season tickets this year uh, boy you, you've got a lot of good teams coming in here and, and that's not even counting the teams in the SEC that we're playing here when we talk about teams like Kentucky, Florida, Alabama uh, all coming to Nashville so a really good home schedule Uh, for the Commodores and Bryce Drew this year. TCU comes in. We all know what Jamie Dixon did in his first season, won the NIT. Uh, Vladimir Brodzianski comes back, so he's going to be their top guy that they're going to kind of focus on. Uh, But they have pretty much, you know, all their top key pieces are back from that NIT championship team. So I would think at this point TCU is a team that has NCAA tournament aspirations and Jamie Dixon, again, I still think does not get enough credit for the job he did there in that first year uh, when people thought it was going to take a long time to kind of rebuild that team. Uh, but he was able to come in right away and get them playing their best basketball in March, you know, beating Kansas, going out, winning the NIT. Really did a really good job. So uh, that's Vanderbilt's non conference schedule. Like I said, just kind of wanted to zoom through that again, even though we did the podcast uh, that I tweeted out there with Chris and David uh, yesterday. But you know, like I said, it's just something where there's a lot of good power conference teams that have potential to kind of break out this year and take a big step forward. I mean, we talk about USC, teams like Seton Hall, Rhode Island, um, TCU, I mean, those kind of teams have a chance to really kind of take a, again, a big step forward this year and have really good seasons. So, uh, definitely going to be another challenging year when you talk about Vanderbilt's schedule. And there will be no nights off in the SEC, as we've talked about plenty here on the podcast, uh, but definitely will be very few nights off when we talk about the non-conference schedule for the Commodore. So uh, thanks, as always, for listening to today's episode of the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Southeast Tubes. You can do that by going to iTunes, Search for Southeast Hoops. That way you can get every episode delivered as soon as they go up. As I have continued to say, we try to do this five days a week. Sometimes, you know, when I get podcast overload, like something like I did yesterday, you know, already doing two podcasts, that may not happen. But that is the goal. And also, I am working on a pretty large expansion for SoutheastHoopes.com, which will be coming probably, again, I don't really have a time frame yet on when that will come out and when i'll kind of give more details on that but we're really working hard trying to make this thing as big as we can to keep sec basketball on the minds of everyone here as we go throughout the off season and get prepared for the upcoming season so thanks again for listening to the podcast and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow